Your to pod- ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat is on it. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Now, settle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Well... It didn't go like you wanted it last night. Here in New Orleans Pelicans. Losing to the Orlando Magic. There is a positive thing from yesterday. We will get into that here in a quick sec. Let me run you down the guest list for this Thursday, March 10th show. Mr. Fletcher Mackle will join us coming up next segment. Going to ask him... Uh, to choose between quarterbacks that could or could not be available, his thoughts on whether or not we will see as we get closer and closer to legal tampering on Monday. And free agency deals can be talked, negotiated, and talked about, not signed, but agreed to in principle. We'll get into all of that and more. A lot of news this week, obviously, in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers staying, Russell Wilson traded, Carson Wentz traded yesterday to the Washington Commanders. Who's going to be Indy's quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo. Not wanted in San Francisco, apparently now is an option for a couple of teams. Could he be, per report, an option for the Saints? How would you feel about that? Um, so we'll talk to him a little bit about that, plus his thoughts on the Pelicans, as uh, that four-game win streak seems a bit ago, doesn't it? Seems a bit ago since that last took place. Um Take on Charlotte tomorrow, lost to Orlando. We'll get into that here in a quick sec as they've now lost a couple games in a row, unfortunately. Three, to be exact, and we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but we'll get into that here coming up. Scott Prather is going to join us, give us our take over there in Acadiana, UL, the Cajuns, basketball, baseball as well. Matt Reiser, head coach of the Lions for Southeastern Baseball, he will give us a buzz and he has every thursday he's going to join us i believe on thursdays barring you know traveling and such as his team went to arkansas's past weekend lost two or three was at louisiana tech last night dropped one there they will take on tennessee tech over at pat kennelly diamond at alumni field in hammond over the weekend so we'll chat with that here coming up in a little bit uh, in a one o'clock hour, an hour number two, Ben Heiser is going to join us from, uh, Bet Side. He's going to be joining us, I believe, on Wednesdays. Yesterday, travel conflicted, uh, the reason why we didn't do the show, but he's going to be joining us on Wednesdays, uh, to kind of go over all the different games of the week, things of that nature to kind of help you out. And obviously, you should be already downloading DraftKings, uh, the sports book, so you can have a little fun during games, March Madness, the works. So we'll be getting into that as conference tournaments are getting into semifinals quarterfinals and things of that nature so we'll touch on that um sean fox 205 from monroe Ali cosell from the bird rights his thoughts on the pels here as well as to what has happened um the last three games for them to not win and especially last night perhaps more disappointing than the other two games that you probably can explain the mvp going bananas on sunday even though it was a game you should have won getting blasted in memphis and then last night Pelicans, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of hard to look at and, and try to figure out how the Orlando Magic beat you 108 to 102. And again, being a team that on paper into the game 
quite honestly, you, you should have beaten. And again, if you want to be a playoff team, if you want to be a play-in team, you, you should have won. Now, there is, I guess, I, I wouldn't even know if it's silver linings, but we will talk about what actually at least was a silver lining. And the good thing about it is the loss didn't exactly cost you a ton. Now, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm trying to find the silver, the, the silverest uh, of silver linings here. And what I mean by that is you lost. That stinks. You, you could have gained ground, though, because you know what happened yesterday? Incredibly. The Lakers lost. And it's nuts when you look at it. Houston's the worst team in the league. They're going back and forth with LeBron. And it's 120 to 120. Ten seconds left. And LeBron drives left angle by the left block. Looks like he has a layup or not. A rocket comes in under the rim. He passes it to Mello. Misses the shot. They go into overtime. They get outscored there. They lose. Russell Westbrook had a uh, 30-point game. LeBron had a triple-double, but they lost. They lost. They lost in overtime, 139-130 to a 17-win team. Your Pelicans lost to a Magic team that had 16 wins. Their 17th win was last night. The two bottom teams in each conference. Orlando, last place. Below Detroit in the East. Houston, last place. Three games below the Oklahoma City Thunder. The two bottom feeders of each conference trying to not win. By the way, I, I, I saw on Twitter, I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw it. Apparently the, the Rockets didn't even play a starter. Was it the Rockets or the Magic? One of those two teams, I can't remember, said they didn't, didn't play a starter in, uh, in the fourth quarter and, and still won. Either way, those two teams dead last beat two teams that are trying to stay alive in the playoff picture. The Lakers and Pelicans. The team below the Pelicans that could have made up some ground in this three-game losing streak, the Portland Trailblazers, well, they've lost six straight. So the Pels have lost three straight. They're in tenth. The Lakers have lost two straight. They're in ninth. The Blazers are in eleventh. They've lost six. The Spurs have lost one. They lost. So no one gained ground. That's my silver lining. It absolutely stinks. I don't like three-game losing streaks. Last night at home, I know it's a back-to-back. Maybe that's the toughest part. There's two things that stink. Brandon Ingram, 7 to 10 days yesterday. We reevaluated the hamstrings and issues, so shutting them down 7 to 10 days and be reevaluated. Of course, this this homestand, this four-game homestand, is one that you could have, should have gone 3-1. and one. Phoenix, the final game in the homestand, you got teams and games that I, I think you can win. But not having them, not having Brandon Ingram, hurts. What are you, 214, 2 and 15 now without him? So the next five for the Pelicans, Charlotte, Houston, who just beat the Lakers. And for some reason, it's always a tough team right now against the Pelicans. Phoenix, and at San Antonio, at Atlanta. That's your next five for New Orleans. The Lakers, Washington, at Phoenix, host Toronto, at Minnesota, at Toronto. San Antonio, Utah, Indy, Minnesota, OKC, New Orleans, all at home. You gotta figure it out. You gotta somehow figure it out. 
because Brandon Ingram's not coming back for at least, again, now call it seven to nine days. Seven to ten was when he's going to be reevaluated. Head coach Willie Green touched on that yesterday about having to find a way now to get some scoring. C.J. McCollum did what he could last night. But it, it's going to be difficult. And not having a guy that dropped 38 Sunday in Denver. Here's the coach. You know, we'll, we'll have to look at that. And um, it's, a, it's another scenario where we have to make some adjustments. And we'll talk about it over the next day and a half. And then hopefully by Charlotte, we, we have something figured out. But, you know, it's an opportunity for all of our guys to step up um, and take advantage of Brandon not playing. Um, it's hard to make up what he does, but there are things that our guys can do. And, and, and now we got to make some adjustments and try to do it. It was a slow start by the Pels. I mean, it's another way to look at it. You trail 30 to 17 at the first, at the end of the first quarter. 26, 24 second frame, but again, you're still trailing at the half. Pels did win the third quarter, 32 to 25, won the fourth quarter by 2, 29, 27, but it was too late. Um, you got 32 from CJ McCollum. Got three threes, the rest just jumpers everywhere. Eight assists, four rebounds. Fallon has put in 30 and 15. Took him a bit to get going. He got 15 from Herb Jones, seven from Jackson Hayes. He got nothing from Tony Snell. 31 minutes, not a point. Did get two steals and a rebound, but not a point. On the bench, nothing from Marshall, nothing from Braley Hernan Gomez, who normally gets you something. He only played four minutes. Devontae Graham, 29 minutes. Got you seven Alvarado in 19 minutes got you seven. Trey Murphy the third in 24 got you four. Didn't play Clark Johnson in Temple. Um, look, it, it's, it just thinks you, you needed to get that game. But, and I understand you, you don't have Brandon Ingram, but that's a 16 win team. They don't have a lot of things. You, 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 you gotta find a way to win that game, right? Gotta find a way to win that game. And, you, you kind of saw yesterday C.J. McCollum realize, look, he, he has to sort of take over and, and, and be the, the, this team's offense and such. Coach Green on if he's starting the press or feeling that pressure. Again, it took him a bit. He didn't wind up getting hot during the stretch and just cooking. I just think uh, overall, not just C.J., but our, our entire group, when Brandon, we, when you lose a guy like Brandon for however many days, now you have to trust in your teammates even more. And that's not just for CJ, that's for all of us. And I didn't think that we made that adjustment to the level that we need to. Um, we kind of forced some shots and rushed some shots. And that's when we got to take our time and just move the basketball, keep playing, and keep trusting. And Coach Willie Green also says that that start, as we mentioned, was just too much to overcome for It was them. tough. Um, but it was right at that time where CJ had to come out, I think, a little bit after that. And um, – you know, it's a part of the game. It's a part of runs. The, the thing for us is not getting down uh, a ton of points early, like coming out with a bang, starting with a bang, and now you have sort of house money to play with. And when you get down to any team, especially not having the scoring that we normally we normally have with Brandon, now you got to fight, scratch, and claw for everything. And that's that. That was tonight's game for us. C.J. McCollum after the game on how that approach now needs to change again over the next couple of games without Brandon Ingram. I mean, obviously we're missing a very talented player who does a lot for us offensively and defensively, uh, not just 
with the ball, but creating, creating, you know, shots for other people. So it's a little bit more attention, more double teams. But uh, I think we just came out flat. Obviously, we, we missed B.I. We need him out there. And when he comes back, he'll help our team. But we didn't play with enough energy to start the game. You could tell we was on the back-to-back, and that's the difference in the game, trying to come back in the second half. Charlotte, Houston, more in Phoenix, right? Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, seven days from yesterday, which is Wednesday. Wednesday to Wednesday is seven days. So you're not going to have Brandon Ingram barring Mr. Miyagi's return. Um and helping his hamstring out for Charlotte, Houston, and Phoenix. You gotta try to find a way to get some games here. You may not have him at San Antonio. I'd like to have him at San Antonio. That's next Friday, the 18th. That would be 10 days. But again, that's 7 to 10 days reevaluated to see how he's doing, to see how he is. Look, I, I've been saying this. The silver linings are this. You need to get him healthy. And if you want to make the play-in game, it's in your hands. You honestly don't have to depend on others. It's nice that the Lakers aren't winning. It's great that the Portland Trailblazers have lost, you know, a bunch here in a row as well. Like, like That's great. They're there in front of you if you want them. San Antonio's the team's going to threaten you. I, I Again, Portland, probably not. Even though they're right behind you. But San Antonio's right there. So when you look at it, San Antonio, next Friday, that's the first of two games. You host the Spurs on the 26th. That's the start of my gauntlet. But you're going to face the Spurs here twice. You're going to face the Lakers twice. Sunday, March 27th, Friday, April 1st. You're going to face Portland twice. Wednesday, March 30th at Portland. Thursday, April 7th versus Portland. That's the end of my gauntlet. In that gauntlet that I keep referring to, the 26th through April 7th, Lakers, Portland, Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Portland. There it is, right there. Now next Friday is big too. At this point with you, I don't know how many games you can get here without Brandon Ingram. you got to find a way to do it. But to me now, it almost becomes vital. That you win both the remaining games against San Antonio. You gotta take care of Portland. And I think you split the Lakers. I think if you do those things. I think you got the 10 spot. I don't know. But last night hurt. Last night stunk. Gotta somehow some way. Find a way to. Get that game. And. Unfortunately you could not. So we'll talk a little bit more about that here coming up on the show, especially in the third hour of the show when we talk with Ali Cosell about what he's going on um, with this team. But Fletcher Mackle next, we'll talk a little basketball and football here as well. As, of course, he's, uh, he's going to let me – I keep hearing a lot of people with the, hey, go ahead and do the – you know, Jimmy G look or stuff. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know about Jimmy G. That's just me. I, 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 and I also think that maybe, just maybe a lot of people aren't giving Jameis the proper respect. I, I don't know. I, it, it, I almost feel like, well, why not him? Or I guess since there's no one else go to him. 
I don't know. But I got to quickly tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready to feel the excitement of the conference championships like never before? The conference tournaments are going on right now. Great way to practice for the big tournament next week. Turn your team's victory into your own big win with DraftKings Sportsbook. This is simple, right? New customers, you bet five bucks on any team to win their game. You get $200 in free bets if they do. So it's simple. They win, you win. Also, you need to try the same game parlays. You combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more wins you win. And with DraftKings, as you should know by now, it's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, so it makes it convenient for you as well. There is a code I'd like you to use. It's called LaRose, L-A-R-O-S-E, as in the town. Um, if you use that, you bet $5 on any college game hoops. To win their game when they do, $200 in free bets is yours. So, they win, you win. It's that simple. Use the code LaRose, please. DraftKings Sportsbook. Fletcher Mackle from Channel 6 Sports next on your home for Pelicans basketball, ESPN New Orleans. is here at Greg LeBlanc Toyota, and we're celebrating. Check out the fresh new inventory arriving daily, plus great deals now at Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa. Check out the all-new, redesigned 2022 Toyota Tundra. Greg LeBlanc Toyota has given top dollar for your trade. We want your trade in. Or check the inventory online, online. at GregLeBlancToyota.com. These super savings won't last long. Greg's got the deals. South Hollywood Road, Homa. Shop now. It's crawfish season and Louisiana crawfish are ready for boiling. Rouse's Markets has special seafood boiling rooms in stores. Yep, these guys are professional boilers. Rouse's Market starts with the prettiest Louisiana crawfish, of course. But the key is the Rouse's Down the Bayou Seafood Mix. It's seasoned with just the right amount of lemon and onion and garlic and heat. Get Rouse's Louisiana Crawfish hot from the pot. 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. That's 11 to 7 at Rouse's Markets. Tastes like home. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand-related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Want more from your bank? Open a Cajun Pride checking account at State Bank and Trust Company and enjoy the benefits. Unlimited check writing, overdraft protection, online banking, mobile banking, debit card, ID theft assistance, safe deposit box discounts, prescription drug discounts, shopping, travel, entertainment discounts, and much more. Call or come in for more information about applicable fees and terms. State Bank and Trust Company. Cajun Banking. Served just the way you like it. State Bank and Trust Company. Member FDIC. What would you say you do here? Sports. Sports. All day long. Hello, sports fans. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Last time the Pelicans led was 3 to nothing. Pelicans doing a good job of throwing those seeds of doubt. McCollum to tie up top. Rattled in for three. Christian James McCollum. Stop it. Ty Graffinini, John DeShazer. Too little, too late, though. That was 73-73. Pels cannot... 
pull out the win. They lose 108-102. Fletcher Mackle, Channel 6 Sports, joins us at Fletcher WDSU, the way to follow over on Twitter. Fletcher, good afternoon, man. How are you doing today, bud? I am doing well, Gus. Thanks for having me as always. Thank you for the time. Man, last night stunk, huh? Sunday really, ugh, he would have loved to pull that one out, overcoming a lot. Got beat, man, badly over at Memphis. And, and then last night, man, what what happened? Yeah, look, that was that was a bad one last night. Uh, you know, the, the comeback in Denver was great. I, I said you could look at it one of two ways. Glass is half empty. If the Pelicans hit free throws, they probably ice it. But it took a near historic performance from the reigning league MVP and Jokic to pull Denver through. So I felt like there's no such thing as a moral victory, but that was still a, a solid performance from the Pelicans against a bona fide playoff team in the league MVP. Um, and then you go to Memphis and look it, to me, Memphis, this, the Memphis team this year reminds me of the, the new Orleans Hornets. Oh, seven, Oh eight. It was a young team that won 56 games, finished second in the West was just really, really good. And a, a title contender, even if they didn't know they were title contenders yet. And so Memphis is really good, and they just, you know, they blew their doors off. I mean, Brandon Ingram didn't play. Um, it was probably, you know, bad matchups from the start. Uh, but last night was the one that was really perplexing. I get Brandon Ingram didn't play, but you still got 32 from McCollum and 30 from Valanciunas, and, and that's the worst team in the NBA. And not only is it the worst team in the NBA, it's the worst team in the NBA playing a back-to-back, having to travel for that back-to-back. I mean, it, that's just a bad loss. I, I think big picture, the, the Pelicans are still going to get into the play-in because I, I think the Pelicans are better than the Spurs. I think Portland has totally punted and has no interest right. in this season. They're, they're kind of reshuffling the deck, going into the offseason, ready to make moves to build quickly one more time around Dame Lillard. But nonetheless, that's a game at home that you need to win and you should have won last night against a really bad team um, playing of a road back-to-back, and you couldn't – you couldn't. I mean, look, you were down in the blink of an eye yeah. against that team. And, yeah, they rallied back, but they just – you know, Terrence Ross and, you know, I mean, it was just – it was just unfortunate for all the, the good they had done on that four-game winning streak and even the Denver game. And I'll even give them a pass on getting their doors blown off against Memphis. Because Memphis is a legit championship contender. But that that game's a head-scratcher last night. I don't care what excuses you make. There just are none for losing a game like that at home against that kind of team. Yeah, and look, I get it. It stinks not having Brandon Ingram, but you got to find a way to, as you said, not give up 30 points in the first quarter, right? When you look at it from that perspective. And the other thing, too... Fletcher, he's not going to play the rest of this homestand, more than likely, right? He's going to be re-evaluated seven to nine days now. It was ten yesterday. That pretty much takes you into doubt at San Antonio, and you really wanted to go at least three and one in this homestand. So it's disappointing, but Fletcher, I keep using it as the gauntlet, March 26th or April 7th. You're facing the Spurs, the Lakers twice, Portland twice. They're all there. If you add the Spurs game next Friday, if the Pels want to be in the play-in spot, you got to, I think at this point, beat San Antonio twice, you piece out the Portland Trailblazers, and then you split with the Lakers, you're in. I mean, that's, that's what I look at here in the remaining schedule. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And look, it's sad that the situation that we're talking about is the 9-10 play-in. Because, look, I don't think anybody's catching Minnesota, and the Clippers have a little bit of a comfort uh, at, at eight. 
So I think it really is. You're talking about 9-10, and you're talking about Lakers, Pelicans, Portland, and San Antonio. Those four teams for those final two spots, and they'll, they'll be the play-in team. And look, the Lakers last night lost to the second-worst team in the NBA you know, at the Houston Rockets, and everybody is talking about how what's wrong with the Lakers, and then we're asking locally you know, how bad of a loss was that for the Pelicans. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad the NBA put the play-in in. I'm one of the people who likes the play-in because had we, if we didn't have the play-in, it would basically be a done deal, and these teams would already be looking towards next season with a month to go in the regular season if you're the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Spurs, and certainly the Blazers. So the play-in has given them something to play for. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think in the end, though, you, you're talking about that stretch. I do think in the end the Pelicans are going to get into the play-in at 9-10. And if they don't, uh, again, look, I think David Griffin has done a lot of great things this year. It, it was, it was a, a tough road his first two years, but there are tangible results now. For all the kind of the happy talk that he's yeah. fun, I'm a, I, I've been a guy who has kind of said, give him time. I know there's been a lot of naysayers for David Griffin, but I've been one of these people who said, None of the people he brought in have turned on him. It's a lot of the people that he jettisoned have turned on him. And I wanted to see what he could do. And, and look, Sam Van Gundy was a miss. Some of the players were misses. But I'll say this, Willie Green seems like the right coach. CJ's a great move. Jonas is the right guy. Herb's the right guy. You know, those guys getting traded and those guys being Josh Hart um, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and showing up at the game to talk about this place and the culture, I yeah. think things are pointed in the right direction. You just have to make the play. And I know people say, oh, that's not the mark we're looking for this year. That's got to be the mark this year. Look, if you, if you start 1-12 and and you play the whole year or the large majority of the year without Zion and you can get to the 10th seed, the needle is pointing in the right direction. If you can't even clear the hurdle of being a 10th seed against the Lakers that look completely lost, yeah. The Trailblazers, who have no interest in playing the rest of this season, and the Spurs team that you are certainly more talented than, mm-hmm. then, again, I do think it gets back to that, are there questions, and is, is this truly headed in the right direction if you can't even get to the 10th seed? So, but I think in the end, they get to the 9 or the 10th seed, they get to the play-in, and we'll see what happens, and they will be able to point and say, look, we're headed in the right direction, and, and we've got a lot of positives to celebrate. Speaking with Fletcher Mackle at Fletcher WDS. Here's the way to follow on Twitter. Got five minutes left here. We'll use it all on the following, which is, I think, a big topic here. That Saints quarterback this week, Roger stays. Russell Wilson gets traded. Carson Wentz gets traded. Where's Jimmy G going to go? You're looking at what's left out there in the quarterback market. I still think it's Jameis Winston. It makes the most sense. I kind of feel like people feel, well, why not? Or I guess that's what's left. I, I think he's not that bad. Um, but let's just start here. Jimmy G or Jameis Winston, who would you take? And what do you think the Saints sort of do? I saw you posted something on a podcast here today that kind of throws a little wrinkle into maybe what could happen. Well, let me say that. I was I did a podcast today. A, a national, you know, NFL person did a podcast and asked me, you know, to be a guest, which was great. And 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 they asked me about craziest situation they go obviously and i said too i think Jameis is going to be the guy i think that when the dust settles he's resigned but i was asked give me a crazy scenario that we may not be talking about since there weren't a lot of people talking about carson went to the washington commanders and it came out of left field and so i said okay here's my crazy one 
You know, the, the new head coach in Miami was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco. Miami makes a trade for Jimmy G and the Saints trade for Tua, and that's my crazy deal. But again, the, the context of it was I was asked for a crazy off-the-wall scenario, not like I was pitching it as a, hey, this could be happening. Um, so in the end, though, I don't think the Saints are in love with Jameis Winston, but I think that they obviously need a quarterback. I, I, I'm sure they explored Rodgers. Right. I'm sure they explored Russell Wilson. I'm sure when you asked me just now, Jimmy G or Jameis, I know that there's a, Sean Payton obviously was a huge Jimmy G guy. They went to the same college. You know, Payton talked about him before the draft. I think they wanted him before New England got him uh, and, and probably would have taken him had he been available when the Saints pick came up with those kind of value picks after the first round. Um, I still think there's a lot of fans in the organization of Jimmy Garoppolo, but the only problem is is his salary is about three times what Jameis Winston's is, right. and you would have to give up, even if it's a third or fourth round pick, the Saints have done very well drafting in the second, third, and fourth round. So, right. again, and, and look, if Jimmy G were five games better than Jameis or four games better than Jameis, like if you said, hey, with Jameis we could go nine and eight, ten and seven, and we can get into the playoffs, I think with Jameis Winston, the Saints could be what San Francisco was this season. Great defense, awesome running back, and a quarterback that's good enough. San Francisco, if you remember, barely got in. Yeah. If, if the Rams don't choke that game away, the Saints are in and the Niners are out. Instead, the Niners are in, and they end up in the NFC Championship game because they got a good defense and a good ground game, and they have a game manager at quarterback. I think the Saints could do the same thing with Jameis Winston. I think they got a great defense. They got Alvin Kamara in his prime, and, and Jameis is solid. He's not spectacular. So anybody who wants to try to sell me on Jameis being great, when he's great, I'll believe he's great. Yeah. Until then, I think he is very Jimmy Garoppolo-like. Mm. And so I think Garoppolo fits this offense better, but at triple the price of salary and a high-value draft pick, I don't think Jimmy G, like let's just say Jameis is the quarterback, and you say 9-8, and 10-7 with Jameis. If you have Jimmy G, I'd say you're probably about the same. 9-8, 10-7, maybe 11-6. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't take the team to 13-4 or 14-3. So, therefore, I think that's what the determining factor is for the Saints is, while I don't think they love Jameis, I, I don't think there's a better option out there for them to invest high-value draft picks or a high salary unless it's some crazy trade that nobody sees coming right now. I need a yes or no and a name in the next 10, 15 seconds. If there's a quarterback in the draft that you like, who is it? Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett's the guy that I like. I like Malik Willis, but I think Kenny Pickett fits the Saints offense, and I like a lot of his intangibles. And if you want a guy to play right away Matt Jones-like, mm-hmm. like for New England, I would say it's Kenny Pickett. Teron Armstead and Marcus Williams, yes or no, they will be Saints next week. I don't think they – I think – Maybe Marcus Williams. I don't think Teron Armstead because I think that there's going to be a team that gives him way too much money at a value position when teams need to protect the quarterback. Maybe Marcus Williams because I'm not sure his market is going to be as robust as he believes. But I, I, I could see the Saints losing both. But if I had to pick one to stay, I could see a long-term deal with Marcus Williams getting done. Catch him on TV on over at Channel 6 at Fletcher WDSU over on Twitter, WDSU.com, all of the stuff that he puts on paper there as well. Mr. Fletcher Michael, thank you for your time, bud. Appreciate the, the opinions. <laughs> all right, Gus, thanks. Yep, for sure. Quick break. We come back. Scott Prather will go over to Katie and see how ESPN Lafayette fans are feeling about the Pels right now and 
where they think the Saints are going to go. I'm going to have an interesting conversation with them next, I promise, on ESPN New Orleans. Within days of Hurricane Ida making landfall, Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacies were up and running, providing vital medication to our patients and visitors. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding you the lowest cost available on your medications. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let us review your options with you. Located in Rouse's Supermarket on Highway 3235 in La Rose or at the Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff, we treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Sometimes I, my parents have to take me to the hospital. Today, one out of 13 children suffer from some form of asthma, accounting for nearly one-third of all emergency room visits. I feel like I'm choking. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. A little whistle sound comes out when I breathe. But while your child may suffer from asthma, asthma doesn't have to make your child suffer. There are simple ways you can prevent your child's next attack. To learn more, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Log on to www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA, the Ad Council, and this station. Let's hit it. And now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. They've got to figure out with that 19... All right, welcome back, Sports Hangover, as we welcome in Mr. Scott Prather at Scott Mimic. You want to follow him over on Twitter. Scott, how are you, bud? I'm good, Gus. What's going on, man? I'm trying to look at things in a positive light, sir. Last night's loss to the Magic really stinks when it comes to the Pels. I guess the good thing about it is no one else around them wanted to win as well. Lakers lose at Houston, and the Blazers got hammered by Utah, so no harm, no foul, and the Spurs really didn't gain too much of a ground. I guess that's about as good as I can kind of get when I look for silver linings. Yeah, I mean, optimism, it's not what it was a week ago when it looked like, dude, the Pels are... They're going to roll. They're going to be the nine. The Lakers will be the ten. Maybe their draft pick will fall in the top ten. It'll go to New Orleans. It was all these high hopes. And, you know, as we know with this franchise, um, all it takes is one thing to happen, and suddenly panic can set in. But, you know, Brandon Ingram's injury, Gus, let's, let's be optimistic, right? It's not season end. I mean, well, knock on wood, right? They're going to reevaluate him, I guess, eight days from today uh, or so. So, it, it, to me, it just comes down to that. I mean, can they win a game or two here against right. some teams that are beatable without him? Because Orlando's a game they – what I noticed was just – it's one thing to go to Memphis, not sure if you're not going to have them, and then the decisions are made to shoot around. And Memphis is really good, and, and that's not excusing just how badly the Pels lost. But, you know, I wouldn't have expected them to win without Brandon Ingram. And so the other night, that was different. Because mm-hmm. they look, they just kind of looked lackadaisical. There's no energy early, and you know that was something that plagued the team a lot last year. But they were all kind of visible to understand Van Gundy. Is Brandon Ingram, you know, the leader in the franchise of the team? Is, is he also a guy that's, that's getting other guys 
ready and up and amped to play. I think what they do here without him is going to be a reminder of just how much they miss him. I think what their record this year is what two and fourteen without him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it get, get Ingram back in the lineup, but you've got a totally different team. So can you hang on? Can you just tread water until he gets back? Right. And that way, when he does, you're playing for the nine or the ten, and and you know you're playing meaningful basketball this time of year. Something that I think is invaluable for a young team that you know. Uh, whether someone's optimistic or pessimistic today, again, with Willie Green running the show, you know, looking beyond this season, there's there's no reason not to be optimistic right now. Um, Zion's supposed to, more than likely, I think Willie Green said, um, may, maybe even be on the bench starting tomorrow. Yeah. And he's already back in town, things of that nature. Can that provide some sort of emotional lift or something for this team, perhaps, or just anything while, while, while B.I. is gone? Well, it'll provide more cameras. It'll provide more, you know, talking heads uh, rambling about Zion. I, I don't know in terms of a lift. I mean, Zion hadn't been there, right? This is a very close knit team. I think we can all agree on that. Now he's played with a lot of guys. You know, you have some carryovers from a season ago. So, does he, you know, as a young guy, really, does he get his first true sort of? taste of what the culture's been like. It's one thing to be around the team earlier, but guys will tell you in any sport, Gus, when you're hurt, you never really feel like you're, you're there. You feel like you're away from the team. You never really feel like you're truly a part of it. So, right. you know, do, 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 do his teammates kind of go go out of their way to make sure, hey, look, it's good, man. Come on. You know, we're, we're all in this together. Um, I, I don't the fact that he's on the bench versus having been in Portland for the last month, I don't know how much of a difference that really makes, if at all, on, on the product on the floor. It's just the, the, the hope is that, man, maybe he kind of gets back into a groove with some of his teammates, meets some of his newer ones like C.J. McCollum, and, you know, Larry Nance will be right there next to him, and, and mm-hmm. Larry's a guy that immediately completely bought in, you know. He seems like a pretty – um you know, gregarious guy, can he not be that so-called distant teammate that, that J.J. Redick referred to him as? Can he kind of, you know, work hard on just being part of the team even when he's right. not playing? And that's something that, you know, Zion admittedly uh, struggles with. You know, he needs to work on that. That's that's kind of the only Zion I have to do with. And I know a lot of people are hoping he plays this season. I'm just, I'm not expecting it. I hope I'm wrong. I'm just, I'm right. not expecting nor am I anticipating Scott Prather from ESPN Lafayette at Scott Mimic is the way to follow over on Twitter. All right, man, let's get to a little Saints discussion here. The team restructuring the contracts of defensive end Cam Jordan and Teno Passanow, creating $12.4 million cap space. That's not surprising, obviously. That's one of those things that you knew the team was going to be doing here. And to find a way to create some space and have to get underneath the cap. And I think they can do that just by doing basically what they're doing. They're somewhere in the neighborhood of what, 30, 32 million dollars. So that's not surprising. I think though, what's going to be interesting is what happens come Monday. You saw all the quarterback moves made this week in the NFL. You and I have had a discussion about what we think this team does at quarterback with the moves that have been made. Where do you think the Saints go? Start Monday. I think they'll. I think they're going to offer Jameis a contract that his agent's not going to be crazy about. You know, I think they. I, I know a lot of fans are excited for Jameis, and I think he'll probably be the quarterback next season. You know, based on folks I've talked to, I don't know if the the, the staff is as sold on Jameis to this point 
as maybe many in the fan base are. Um, I think it's another type of prove-it deal. He is coming off of a significant injury. But uh, when you see the guys on the market, where they're going, what's happening, I think is likely heading to Indy uh, via a trade. And I don't know. Do you want to trade for a guy that's got a whole bunch of money? If it's if it's Garoppolo or, or Winston, I hope the Saints go in the Winston direction. I don't anticipate a Derek Carr trade. I know that's been kind of rumored out there for a while. Not not necessarily with the Saints, although they'd be a team you might see on the list. There's there's I mean, there's a lot of smoke in terms of Jimmy G maybe going to the Saints. So you you figure maybe they put in a call, but I think ultimately based on assets, what they want to do cap situation, the fact that Jameis really wants to be there. You know, we, we saw flashes last year, but we didn't we didn't see the consistency. Now, would we have had he not got hurt? I don't know. We'll never know. I think it's going to be an open relationship type right. of contract offer with Jameis where the Saints are like, look, we still want to see a little bit more. We know you completely bought in. Uh, maybe we aren't yet. I think it's going to be that kind of offer. And if he gets a significant offer on the market from somewhere else, then then what do you do? Right, I think the Saints have a plan in place. It's just a matter of if there are a couple other curveballs. What's your plan B? And, and right. right now, I think I think it's all signs continue to point to Jameis, and I think he'll be your starter week one next season. Pittsburgh, Indy, Tampa, right among teams that could be looking for quarterback here as well. You wonder if any of those will make make an offer if that's the case. And you know, look. I saw Luke Johnson from the Avican Picayune yesterday say, okay, so right now it's Winston Garoppolo and Teddy Bridgewater, your best top three available quarterbacks. You and I had a, a fun little chat this morning about Teddy and, and where he sort of fits out of those three quarterbacks. But if the Saints, for some reason, cannot re-sign Jameis Winston and Jimmy Garoppolo's gone somewhere else, where do the Saints go? Do you, do you go draft pick or do you, do you go with Teddy two gloves or, or Taysom Hill? Or maybe you do both. Um I think I think there is a familiarity with Teddy, which I think Teddy is is average. Um, I think he would be a stopgap. I don't think it would be any kind of long term deal. It would be look, market stride up. We're good here before. We kind of need each other this season. Let's just see how it goes. <laughs> now that doesn't really sound appetizing. I know to uh, to maybe a lot of fans listening, but it, Teddy feels like a sort of break glass in case of emergency. You could say that that's what Taysom is. I think. I think. Look, I think Taysom's got his role. I think we know what it is, and I think you know. I think he's a fine backup quarterback, and I think he's best suited in his Swiss Army knife role. So, I think. I think Winston Garoppolo certainly there are options on the table, and I think Teddy. And and, and let's say something like that were to happen, mm-hmm. you know, they'd probably come out and say like, "Oh no, you know, history here, he was our guy." I don't. I don't think he's their their, their top choice here, but. You know, it is it is a new regime. Sean Payton is no longer there, but yes, there were reports last year that the Saints did put in a call, to possibly you know pick Denver's brain, and say, hey, what would it take to maybe get Teddy? There were they reports did. that that You're was right. at least explored. Whenever there were some injuries that took place, you know, if if Teddy goes somewhere, then what do you do? I mean, would you bring Trevor Simeon back to start? I don't think that's what they want to do at all. So, I think they, you know, you've got Plan A, B, C, D, and E. And I think Teddy's probably playing C or D, and I think Simeon's probably playing, you know, your F right now for the Saints. And, you know, Jameis is either playing A or B. If he's not playing A, that means they're they're working on something behind the scenes, Gus, that we just don't see coming. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting, right? Monday, man. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna be refreshing tweet deck left and right, making sure what kind of news pulls out. Because I also think not only with that, but I really think unlike past years, where you kind of knew where the Saints were cap wise and stuff. It was Wednesday, right? Wednesday or secondary kind of you know bargain shopping was what we would call it in free agency with what the Saints were sort of doing. Whereas was I think. Next week, Monday, you have to pay attention to the reports because Marcus Williams, Teron Armstead, what happens with them? Got about a minute and a half here, Scott. With those two guys, Fletcher, who I just had on, he thinks maybe Marcus, but probably not for sure with Teron Armstead. Do you think either or back next year? I think they'd love to have both of them back. I don't. I wouldn't bet on either of them being back. The market, you know, when you look at the left tackles that are available, they aren't. They aren't a ton of elite ones out there. And, mm-hmm. and, yes, Armstead does miss time with injury. He also plays through injuries a lot. He's still got great value. You know, Trent Williams was hurt. He played, had a season where he missed most of it and still got a giant deal on the open market and then was outstanding last season. So I think that uh, Armstead, a team that feels like they're close and needs help on the O-line, they're going to offer him a pretty big chunk of change. He would love to be back, uh, but whenever – Whenever money is talking and, and, and the two sides are so far apart when you get an offer from one over the other, you know, I think of the two, Williams is the more likely to come back. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they didn't tag him, you, know, you could have tagged him for 12.6. It just it feels exactly. like he's – it feels like he's – if I was placing a bet, I would say he's probably gone too, although you know, I think his odds of returning are a little higher. Um, Armstead, if he doesn't want to take some kind of big discount, why would he? I wouldn't. Then I just don't see how he how he's back at the price he's going to get on the open market because there are teams that are going to have a lot more cap space. And I get it, Saints, oh, Mickey Loomis, Mickey Math, but teams with, you know, I mean, look, if the Saints had wanted to, to keep Janoris Jenkins last year, if they had the money to do it, they would have. They couldn't. You know, it's kind of with Armstead this year. If they want to. They had the money to bring both of those guys back at the market that they're going to have. I think they would, but mm-hmm. I think Armstead's just priced out, honestly. Scott, as always, man, appreciate the time, sir. At Scott Mimics, the way to follow you over on Twitter. He's got the morning show over on ESPN Lafayette. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Always, Gus. Thank you. Yep, next week we'll talk a little March Madness as the first round games will be a day after. We speak to him on Wednesday. Coming up next, Matt Reiser. Since it's Thursday, we'll talk to a couple of college baseball coaches throughout the season here as well. We will do that next on ESPN New Orleans. The Players' Championship is back with one of the best fields in golf, and now you can take a shot at the Island Green with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get 30-1 to 1 odds on defending champion Justin Thomas, two-time major winner Colin Marikawa, or Olympic gold medalist Xander Schauffele to make the cut at the players. That's right, if any of those players make the cut at TPC Sawgrass, you win $150 on a $5 bet. I really like Rory McIlroy to play well at the Players' Championship. I think his game fits the course to a T. I think he's going to be on a short list of contenders to win the tournament. I also like the aforementioned Xander Schauffele. He's steady, and I think he's going to finish in the top 20 and be one of the guys that's going to be competing for the championship on Sunday. There's no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel Sportsbook. So step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the Players' Championship. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app with promo code KLRZ to get 30-1 to 1 odds on JT, Colin Morikawa, and Xander Schauffele to make the cut at the Players'. 
Sign up with promo code KLRZ so they know I sent you. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Must be 21 and over and present in Louisiana. New users only. Must wager in designated offer market. Maximum bet of $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Only one performance a day. So let's get this show on the road, eh? Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. As always on Thursdays, we like to speak with head coach Matt Reiser of the Southeastern Lions. Head coach of the baseball team over there. Coach, as always, man, appreciate that time. How are you, bud? Doing well, Gus. How are you, man? Good. Did you guys get back from rusting yet? <laughs> yeah, we did. I uh, got back about one thirty last night. It's a it's a decent midweek trip for sure. You get on the bus, <laughs> go four hours there and four hours back. But uh, yeah, you know, also got back to work today. Got up this morning, got the boys back in class, and, and we'll get back to work this afternoon. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously, you guys have been on the road here. Y'all went over to Arkansas over the weekend when we last chatted with you, coach. You were coming off of a four three win against Louisiana Tech. That was at your place. Yesterday a little bit different at their place, but let's kind of go over that weekend series. Get that win against Tech. Head on over to Arkansas. They're ranked number three at the time. Boom, you win seven to three. How big was that series opening win? Yeah, I thought it was just uh, you know right moment, right time, right opponent. Uh, you know, obviously backs against the wall a little bit there. We get the great win on on Wednesday to get on the road uh, to Fayetteville there against Louisiana Tech and to be able to repeat that there again on Friday. Um, you know, and again, this isn't a midweek game, right? This is our best against their best uh, on Friday night. And guys just did a really good job of grinding out a win, man. Found a way to get the big inning. Uh, you know, team to score some runs every two outs. We knew. We knew how offensive Arkansas uh, has the ability to be. And we knew every run was going to be very valuable. So mm-hmm. to be able to extend that lead like we did, I thought was huge. And then I think Gage Trahan was the story of the week last week, right? He gets to stay there against Louisiana Tech on Wednesday night. And right back on Friday, we got the bases loaded. Uh, I think there was one out, right, and they got their guys coming up, and uh, we'd be limited to one run. So to be able to limit that big in, it was huge, and get us a, a big there, big win there in Fayetteville on Friday night. You know, you don't get the win um, the, the next day, Coach, but look, 4-2's the final there, and obviously you got to imagine they're coming back. They're looking to, you know, make sure they, they establish themselves as to who they are, right? And they're like, hey, we're big, bad Arkansas, but you guys are in that game there as well. Um, not a bad showing at all. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Gus. Really, all weekend, you know, we were in there. I thought the guys competed really, really well for right. 24 innings of baseball. And, you know, unfortunately, those last two innings in game two is kind of where it went to, you know, uh, out out of our control a little bit and pitches didn't throw strikes. And, you know, obviously, they did what they needed to do. They on the back end of game three. But, like you said, you know, both games were very eerie similar there in the doubleheader. Uh, we moved it up because of the rain and weather coming in on Sunday and got a little bit of that on Saturday. But I thought the guys did a good job having their minds ready to go. Um, you know, we played in the kind of the misty, rainy conditions for, for, you know, six hours of baseball, but, uh, they got after it, man. You know, we're down two nothing. Faulkner hits a huge home run to tie it up two two. Yeah. 
And they throw a big blow there at the end. You know, their guy with two run homer and beat us. But even to the ninth inning, I mean, we get a base hit in the sixth hole. The last guy to hit some double play, hits the ball, comes off the bat at 104, and just hits it right at him. And sometimes that's the way it goes. You know, it's just the, the game of bounces and inches, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, But I thought they did a good job of balancing the whole game. And then, hey, man, didn't skip a beat, went right into game two. Uh, the final game of the series, trying to win a series. And, again, just I thought we competed really well. Um, O'Toole gives us the start I thought we needed to to – Kind of get in that game and get going. Very again, similar eerie. We're down two nothing. We get a solo home run, make it two to one. Here we go. Here we come. And just on the back end, ran a pitch in the bullpen, and, and they did what they did there at the end. So one of the guys who really built off those twenty four innings of baseball that we played against one of the best teams in the country at a, at a really neat venue and a really challenging venue. Yeah, in that game, as you mentioned, in that first game of doubleheader, I mean, they had five hits. You had three to their four runs and two runs, that one error there as well. So, yeah, it really was kind of a dominating pitching performance by both both teams really being able to yep. keep each other in check. So you get out of that series and you come home quickly, boom, get right back on the road. Let's just kind of start there. Is it taxing from that standpoint? I mean, I never you want to you know, use that as an excuse. That's not what I'm asking. But how taxing is that to um, to be going back and forth and then go right into uh, you know that midweek trip over to Ruston? Yeah, no, in all honesty, Gus, I'll, I'll flip it on you. Um, I thought we, we got a lot of rest. Uh, being able okay. to play the double on Saturday and get the Sunday off, you know, uh, we got a good night's rest on Saturday, <clears throat> Sunday morning, got a good breakfast in, and, and got back to Hammond at a decent hour. On Sunday night, you know, if we'd have played Sunday, oh, goodness, yeah, we might have been back at Sunday morning about right. 3 a.m. So to be able to get that good night's rest in our own bed Sunday night, had a great day of practice on Monday and Tuesday, in all honesty. I thought our preparation was really, really good. We had beautiful weather to be able to do it. Um, and then, yeah, got off the trip yesterday to, the, to Ruston and, and got to where we wanted to be and how we wanted to be. Um, just didn't get off to a good start in the game. You know, we, we've known that we've got a few injuries here on the mound, and these midweek games can get a little hairy. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we had true freshmen that are starting these games before us, and, and uh, they're good, they're talented. You know, there's going to be some learning experiences here, especially early with these guys, and uh, that kind of happened there, you know, last night with the Louisiana Tech. Uh, we get a double play ball to get out of the inning, and, here we go, you know, nothing, nothing. You know, we throw that away. Next thing you know, we look up, we've got six or seven free passes and five, nothing. So we're playing catch-up the whole game, right? right? Um, thought we did a good job of, again, bouncing back from that, uh, continue to play the game. I think we're down 6-1, couple guys in scoring position. We hit a liner right at the shortstop and double us off at second base. And that was, that was kind of the win out of the in all honesty, Gus. I don't think we had a hit after that. Yeah. Uh, and those guys, you know, also did what they did there at last. And ran a guy out there trying to, Continue to get him out, get him out opportunities, and give him you know opportunities to have some success and build some confidence in himself. And uh, had a really bad end last night. Then that last in the eighth, so you look up, the scores I don't know thirteen to one. And you know, really in the last two games, you look at it, we've been outscored twenty four to two, and you go, man, they're playing really bad baseball. In reality, we played you know two bad innings of baseball, and, and it looks a lot worse than what it is. So right. it's trying to keep these kids in that mind frame, you know, build off the positive. Eliminate the negatives. You know, eliminate those big innings. That's our defensive philosophy. We've got to do a better mm-hmm. job of getting off the field when we're supposed to, equipping up so many crooked numbers. You know, you look through the game last night. It was thirteen to one, and we played that game in two hours and twenty minutes. It was going. It was boom. It was yeah. bam. Um, you know, we started to eliminate some things. We thought the middle ends were really good. We just got to get out of these big inning situations and be a little bit better in those in those late game situations. You know, and that's why, coach, I like to have you guys on. I know it's a little bit of your time, but. You know, you just look at, at box scores. You can just look at scores and not really get a sense and feel on that. As you mentioned, I see, oh, wow, five runs in the first. They really came out to hit two errors, man. That's in baseball, yep. walks and errors are so hard to overcome, right? <laughs> Especially against teams that are ranked. And 
Um, yep. You know, when when pitching has to be going, and, and again, like you said, the rest of the game, you had an opportunity, you give up six in the eighth, so that's why it's important yep. to kind of have you guys on. So let's move on to this weekend, because nothing you can do about those. So now you get back home, and you're going to take on Tennessee Tech. Who is Tennessee Tech? I see the mascot looks like an eagle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Tennessee Tech was in a Super Regional, I think, in 2018, and uh, made the run through the Ole Miss region when I went to Texas and gave Texas all they could handle to go to Omaha there in 18. So uh, Matt Braga, the head coach at the time, got the rice job after that, went down there for a few years, uh, and now is back there at Tennessee Tech. And, you know, just knowing the Braga tree and, you know, what they've had over the years he's been there at Tennessee Tech. Uh, he was there for, I think, for 15 years before he took that rice job. They always got tough, hard-nosed kids, man. They love to play and they love to hit. Uh, and they're off to a, a very confident and very offensive start so far. I think they've had 21 or 22 home runs so far in their first 10 or 11 games here. Um, you know, gave Auburn all they could handle last night. Finally yeah. got their first loss handed to them at Auburn. They were up three to one in the seventh. I think lost there in the eighth, four to three. So, uh, again, another just a great opponent coming into our venue. Uh, another great challenge for us to, to be able to get back out there and go compete. And, uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I wouldn't want it any other way. I think our guys are, are being challenged repeatedly here early in the season. Um, you know, obviously the record, you can look at that, you can look at numbers and, and really get down in the dumps and go, man, you're five and eight. You know, you're not pitching very well. You're not hitting very well. Or you can take the positive out of it and build on that and then continue to obviously look for the opportunities that we're going to get here this weekend with Tennessee Tech. So, uh, we're going to have weather to deal with. You know, we're, we're hoping to try to get tomorrow in. More likely going to probably be a doubleheader on Saturday. We haven't made anything official, but Mm-hmm. Try to watch this, you know, weather forecast. A good thing with turf, right? Guess we can always yeah. wait kind of the last second to make yeah. a call, yay or nay. They're on their way in, so uh, we'll figure that part out. But I think it's going to be a great weekend for us to to get this thing back on track and just get more consistent. In what we're trying to do. I thought we were we were consistent in that Wednesday, Friday, Saturday approach. Last mm-hmm. night, not so much. You got the great start like we wanted to. So we just got to kind of get this motor going the right direction. And uh, you know, weather the storm. In all honesty, again, we've got some challenges here early that you know. Uh, injuries flow and whatnot. You can make those excuses, or you can say, "Hey, man, it's opportunities from other guys to step up and do what they got to do." And I think we have the ability. I think we have the depth and the talent to do it. Uh, you know, and continue to show the goodness to do it as well. And Coach Matt Reiser, the Southeastern Lions. You can go follow him on Twitter at LionUpBaseball, and of course, the athletic website LionSports.net. On Thursdays, if Coach gives us the time, we'll have him on twelve forty-five each and every Thursday. Thank you so much, man. Good luck this weekend. Ole Miss midweek game next week. We'll talk about that as well. Sounds good, Gus. Appreciate it, buddy. Talk yeah, soon. for sure. Rebels, uh, 11 and 1 so far this season. They will be in Hammond next week on Tuesday. So you definitely want to go check that out as well. Number two Ole Miss. So they've played number three Arkansas. They're playing number two Ole Miss. Uh, and then you see all the state schools are, are, are solid as well from Tech. Um, Tulane having a good season. They took on Southern Miss last night in Hattiesburg. Golden Eagles winning yesterday. Southern Miss pretty good so far this season. So, uh, there's no days off anywhere, uh, during the college baseball season. So it's going to be fun to kind of see where everything goes as the year progresses. And we always appreciate the time that these coaches make. We try to get a couple other coaches here as well throughout the week, trying to set that up weekly so you can kind of keep tabs on what is going on as well. On Thursdays, we've been having Mike Silva. That spot's always open at 115 from the Colonels. They got 16 strikeouts from a pitcher yesterday in a win. We'll see if he gives us a buzz here as well again. Lots of teams traveling, lots of time that the coaches have to try to find. Elsewhere, coming up next hour, 
We will hear from Ben Heisler at 1.30, kind of go over all the different games and stuff. We'll reset the Pels lost yesterday, how the Lakers lost in Houston, and the Blazers got smoked by Utah. It's a sports hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Thibodeau Regional, we're proud to announce we